and welcome to another edition of Resistance TV. It was World Children's Day on Monday, but the relentless, daily, indiscriminate slaughter being perpetrated by Israel in Gaza continued unabated. The bombardment has been ongoing now for over six weeks, and the statistics are truly horrific. Up until the beginning of this week, Israel had murdered 133 babies under one year old since October the 7th. They'd murdered 5,500 Palestinian children over the same period. That equates to 125 children killed by Israel every single day. At least 1,800 Palestinian children are still buried under the rubble caused by Israel's missiles that have been supplied by the United States and fired from jets built with British-made components. In fact, Israel has killed more children in a matter of a few weeks that have been killed in every other conflict zone around the world put together since 2019. And 9,000 Palestinian children have been seriously injured by Israel's murderous military. Many Palestinian children are now growing up with no arms or legs, their dreams shattered by the despicable and genocidal Zionist entity. Just imagine how you would feel if this was happening to your children. Yet Conservative and Labour MPs have refused to call for a ceasefire. And a permanent and immediate ceasefire is the minimum that's required. Because our demands must go much further. We have to insist on Israel being systematically dismantled as well. This unholy Zionist entity has forfeited the right to exist, just as the South African apartheid regime forfeited its right to exist. And let's remember that Israel was established by expelling three-quarters of a million Palestinian people from their homes and massacring countless others. And let's also remember that the people of Gaza are refugees and the children or grandchildren of the refugees who were forced to leave their homes by Zionist forces in 1948. Those refugees have never been allowed to return to the homes that were stolen from them by Israel. So a ceasefire on its own is woefully inadequate. It would simply allow the apartheid system to continue unabated. An apartheid system where millions of Palestinians under Israeli rule are denied a vote. An apartheid system where Palestinians are routinely evicted from their homes to make way for Jewish settlers from Europe and America. An apartheid system where Palestinians can't even drive on the same roads as Jews. An apartheid system where every day Palestinian children have to endure Israeli military checkpoints on their way to and from school. An apartheid system where illegal settlers are protected by Israeli security forces while they mount regular pogroms against the indigenous Palestinian population. An apartheid system that's considerably worse than what black South Africans endured. And that's not just me saying that. That's ANC veterans like Ronnie Casuals who told me that personally. And other former anti-apartheid activists, like the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who've said that as well. Yet British corporate media hacks like Piers Morgan and Julia Hartley Brewer seem to be suffering from a severe case of cognitive dissonance. These so-called journalists are providing excuses for Netanyahu's psychopathic goons. In other words, they're collaborators in genocide by giving cover for Israel's crimes against humanity. They refuse to accept that Israel operates a brutal system of apartheid. They refuse to acknowledge that Gaza is a modern-day concentration camp. They try to shift the focus from the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people 
The claim that legitimate pro-Palestinian chants like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, are anti-Semitic. They claim such chants make Jews feel unsafe. I know, it's utterly pathetic, but that's the state of the British media today. They claim it's anti-Semitic to point out that Israel's actions are worse than the Nazis in some respects. And they certainly are worse in some respects. For example, the way in which Israel demolishes the family homes of resistance fighters, and the way in which Israel confiscates the bodies of Palestinians killed in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. And all of this is happening with the collusion of the British political class and the connivance of the corporate media. And why hasn't the International Criminal Court intervened? They issued an arrest warrant against Vladimir Putin for moving kids out of a war zone in Ukraine to places of safety. They haven't yet. They haven't lifted a finger against Benjamin Netanyahu. Our politicians, our media and our international institutions have been utterly useless. That's why we must take our revulsion at what's happening onto the streets in ever increasing numbers. And we need to do everything in our power to ensure that these spineless politicians who refuse to stand up to Israel actually pay a price in the next year's general election. So rather than inviting a guest to talk about the horrors being perpetrated against the Palestinian people tonight, in this edition of Resistance TV, we're going to let the Palestinian people speak for themselves. What you're about to see is an address to United Nations Convention in Geneva last Friday by Palestine's United Nations representative. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Given that a number of states have spoken about Palestine directly, we have prepared three replies, which we will read one after the other, and we kindly ask for your indulgence in that regard. We will first respond to Israel's statement. Mr. Chair, at the outset, let us remind Israel that our name is not the Palestinian Authority, but the State of Palestine. Sure, your finance minister said at an event in Paris earlier this year, there is no such thing as a Palestinian people. And your prime minister on the 24th of September held up a map at the General Assembly entitled The New Middle East, in which Palestine was deleted and replaced entirely with Israel. But if your government is annexationist and racist, this body is not, and we ask you to kindly adhere to UN protocol and nomenclature and to show respect to all stakeholders in this room. Let us also remind the Israeli delegate that the lack of rules of procedure for this meeting does not give carte blanche to lose all sense of decorum when speaking to interlocutors in this room. To the other states and civil society in the room, let me simplify Israel's statement for you. Other than throwing insults around and making grave, baseless accusations, Israel said something that should make all of you shudder. It effectively said, I can kill any and every person in Gaza. The 2.3 million people in Gaza are either terrorists or terrorist sympathizers or human shields and are therefore legitimate targets. Every person, according to Israel, falls into one of these three categories. A child, a journalist, a doctor, a UN staff, a newborn baby in an incubator. And so, according to Israel, it can kill them and then have the audacity to come to this room and tell the world with a straight face, we are acting in accordance with international law.
The death of each of the over 11,350 people killed over the past month, be it children, journalists, UN staff, the sick, the elderly, according to Israel, was justified. Think about that for a moment and let it give you pause. Anyone espousing this warped logic has no shred of humanity, no sense of morality, and no knowledge of legality. But guess what? Your carpet explanation for carpet bombing will not fly. People are not fools. The people in this room are seasoned diplomats who are well-read, have a knowledge of history, and many of whom have seen your government make the same arguments during your six previous military aggressions on Gaza in the past 15 years. They have seen you resort to collective punishment, targeting of Palestinian children, journalists, medical staff, aid workers, before... They have seen you forcibly transfer our communities, colonize our lands, demolish our homes, and evict families from their own properties since the 7th of October and for the 75 years that preceded it. They have seen your state-sponsored disinformation campaign before. Again, not fools. Don't insult our intelligence. By saying that it is acting in accordance with international law, Israel is effectively saying the UN Secretary-General, Secretary the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, the WHO, UNICEF, OCHA, UN Special Rapporteurs, the UN Independent Commission of Inquiry on the Situation, human rights organizations worldwide, disarmament NGOs worldwide, humanitarian NGOs worldwide, countless legal experts are all wrong. Everyone is lying about Israel violating international law and we are asked instead to believe Israel the state that is actually doing the indiscriminate killing. It is interesting that by saying even wars have rules, Israel quoted the very same UN Secretary General whose resignation it has called for because he dared to say that Israel has a history of occupying Palestinian land. The dissonance of hearing the Israeli representative talk about wars having rules as it commits genocide and breaches every rule in the book live on our TV screens is quite something. To Israel we say, we see through your PR and disinformation. The whole world sees through your PR and disinformation. The millions of people filling the streets in every major capital of the world, calling you out for genocide, sees through your PR and disinformation. Perhaps you think that with your incendiary rhetoric, we will all forget the incitement, the declarations and acts of Israeli officials, the people you represent, to wipe out Gaza, to drop a nuclear bomb on the Palestinian people, to destroy the human animals and children of darkness. Perhaps you think that your constant intimidation and threatening language will make everyone overlook the fact that Israel is, as we speak, killing babies, 
youth, women, men, elderly, no one too small or too old or too sick to be spared its wrath. Perhaps you think that by cutting off telecommunications and imposing yet another blackout on Gaza, you can continue to commit genocide while avoiding the annoyance of people being able to use their phones and computers to report on it. Perhaps you think that as your trigger-happy soldiers continue to kill journalists, 41 so far, the highest number of journalists killed over a four-week period than in any conflict in the last three decades, you think that no one will be left to expose your crimes. Perhaps you think that by si trying to silence anyone who tries to speak about your crimes, the international law violations of a state, by calling them either anti-Semites or terror supporters, people will be silent. And your intimidation campaign knows no bounds. They attack Palestinians, Jews, Israelis, UN officials, politicians, parliamentarians, university professors, and anyone worldwide who calls you out for your violations of international law. But guess what? Your intimidation and silencing will not work. We, along with all peace-loving nations and along with all people of conscience around the world, will not be silent. We will continue to call you out on your crimes, to call for accountability for your violations, for sanctions as your government continues to reject calls for a ceasefire, to massacre our people, and to entrench your colonial occupation and apartheid regime. Something your country should have learned over the past 75 years is that the Palestinian people are a people who refuse to disappear. And your nuclear threats and your bombs and your tanks and your bulldozers will never break the Palestinian people's will to be free and to live in the dignity and peace to which all people are entitled. Unlike you, we have consistently stood in this forum calling for respect for international law, for ethical principles to guide state behavior, for peace over war, for humanity over national interests, for disarmament over destruction. Once again, we stand in this forum to call on all states to respect and ensure respect for international law. Let the law be the measure by which all are judged, not propaganda and hateful, biased spin steeped in racism. And to Israel's absurd assertion that Palestinians have a problem with people of Jewish faith, and give the impression that this is a religious conflict, let us say it loud and clear, this is not and has never been about religion. Had the occupiers of our land or the violators of our rights been Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, or of any other conviction, we would have called them out all the same. Palestine has always been multiracial, multi-ethnic, and multi-religious. People of Jewish faith have lived in historic Palestine as Palestinians 
for centuries. We consider them to be our brothers and sisters. And since the memory of the Holocaust has been invoked, let us also say loud and clear, we have the greatest of solidarity with both the victims and survivors of the Holocaust. It was not Palestinians that committed that horrific genocide, but the fascist forces that spawned from Europe. And it is unconscionable that a number of European leaders are again beating the drum as another genocide is now underway in Gaza. We are united with those hundreds of thousands of Jews around the world, including from organizations like Jewish Voice for Peace, if not now, Naamod UK, who are calling out this genocide and chanting in the streets of New York, London, Paris, Berlin, Sydney, Toronto, and all major Western cities so that their governments can hear, not in our name and the genocide in Gaza. With them, we stand together to end this pain and suffering. Together, we will not allow this to happen. Never again is now. Thanks for watching tonight. And we're going to leave you with this incredibly moving video about the spirit of the Palestinian people who are an inspiration to the world. Let me tell you about my people. You might think this is a story of loss, but the truth is the opposite and so much more beautiful than you can imagine. We know of how many of us were lost because we know the names and families of each one of our neighbors. When our friends are lost, we take in their kids who were left behind as if they were our own. When babies' names are lost because they have no surviving family, we give them our own. I think no, no member of his family is alive. I'm not sure where they are. We never leave anyone behind, even as we walk miles and miles into the unknown. We comfort our animals, even as they shake in ways we've never seen before. When we have lost water and finally find some, we make sure our animals drink even before we do. We find ways to make each other laugh, even in the most unfathomable circumstances. <laughs> We cheer each other when we make it out alive. We cook for each other, even when we have nothing left for ourselves to eat. And we feed each other bites, not knowing if we'll ever eat again. We try to make our kids forget that they've lost birthday cakes. We sing prayers amongst the rubble to comfort anyone who needs it. And when we are threatened by death, we do not waver. We stay with our sick until we've lost our last breath. Why don't you go with your family south? Do you think this is the reason why I went to med school? To think only about my life and not my patients? Whatever we've lost in the end, We will never lose our dignity. And that is something that colonizers have lost a long time ago.
Ignacio Culinaz.